You are listening to Joe Radio. Radio. Listen, advertise, share. Welcome to another Joe Radio Live, people. How are you all doing? Blessings, blessings, blessings. All right, it's a beautiful Sunday morning. Birds are chirping. It's really, really still right about now. You know, I always love, you know, you know, the mornings and stuff, the stillness of the morning, the peace and the quiet, you know. Um, there's so much, so much, you know, you could pray and meditate and just have that quiet time with God and stuff like that, right? Um, thank you as always for being on the inside with us. We are going straight to our Hitya scripture and uh, today's Hitya scripture is taken from the book of Proverbs chapter 15 verse 13 and it says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. I'll read it again. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Alright, and that was Proverbs, that was taken from Proverbs chapter 15 verse 13 and that was your hit your scripture for today. Today's program is entitled The Battle for the Mind. Yes, today's program entitled The Battle for the Mind and we, well, most of us should know that there is a battle for our mind, right? Everything basically begins in the mind. Even the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. All right. So we're going to get into that in a short, short. Remember to get interactive. Let us know how you enjoy the program. Let us know where you're listening from. You know, as I always tell you, bring a friend, bring a friend, bring a friend. Don't listen alone. Bring somebody else so that somebody else can also be blessed by what we are bringing to you. Thank you as always for your listenership, liking and sharing and just, just keep sharing. Right, so we can impact more lives with every single program. All right, so let's get into it. Today's topic Battle for the Mind. Let's go. Tonight, I want to talk about the battle for the mind. There's a great giant battle going on in the world today between the forces of God and the forces of Satan for the minds of young people as well as older people. And Jesus was summing up the Ten Commandments of Moses and in the bottom line he said that we're to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and all our souls. Now three nights ago I spoke on the battle for your heart. Tonight it's the battle for your mind. In Monday's Syracuse Post-Standard, we read of the possibility of scientists transplanting a healthy brain into the head of someone with a malfunctioning mind. I'd like to be in on that. The older I get, I'm beginning to believe my mind is malfunctioning because I can't remember certain things that I ought to be remembering. Not too many. <laughs> yet. But I want you to turn with me to the 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians. The 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians and these words. Beginning with the third verse. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, we are engaged in a warfare. If you're a Christian, you are engaged in a warfare. 
not a playground, not a basketball court, not a football stadium, but you're engaged in a battlefield. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The Apostle Paul said, I'm going to use some weapons that will be new to you, but they're going to pull down the devil's strongholds. And these are spiritual weapons, the Word of God and prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he said, we're casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. A person who is living in the Spirit, every thought that he has should be in obedience to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have seen in Paris that great statue that Rodin built. It's called the Thinker. Now back of all inventions and all wars and all books is the power of thought. That's what this university is all about. It's not only a place where you produce great sporting teams, but it's a place where people are taught to think. And they're taught the academic side of the university is the primary part of the university. Now thoughts are powerful to harm us and powerful to help us. The Bible says, as a person thinketh, so is it. How do you think? What goes through your mind? What do you think about when you're alone? Someone has said plain living and high thinking are no more. One of the most important things in our lives is who's going to control our minds? Proverbs 16:32 says, He that ruleth his mind is greater than he that taketh a city. Means to rule the thought of your mind. You spend a great deal of time alone, many of you do. So your mind is your only companion. What do you think about? What do you talk to your mind about? That's your only companion, is your mind, for many of you. Isaiah the prophet said, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Do you keep your mind on Christ? And if you get your mind off Christ and you get it on some things you shouldn't be thinking about, do you pray, Lord, forgive me and help me to get my mind back on Christ? I do many times. Now, the Bible says, first of all, that the mind, your mind, is at enmity against God. Your mind does not want to do anything about God to start with. In Romans 8, 7, it says, The carnal mind or the fleshly mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians in the first chapter and said that until they had come to the world, come to Christ, they were alienated and enemies in their mind. Enemies of God, alienated from God, separated from God in your mind. And your mind was a part of that decision. Such a mind will not obey the law of God. It, commit, it submits to sin. It minds the things of the flesh. The Bible warns against having that kind of carnal, fleshly mind. That mind that is dominated by the devil or by selfishness. And then 
The mind is not only enmity against God, but it's also a blinded mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 says, In whom the God of this world, that's the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. He has power, he has supernatural power to blind your mind. And you let him, you have to let him. And if you let him, he can blind your minds. I cannot account for the apparent veil that hangs over the hearts of some people. Many people very close to the kingdom of God. Many people surrounded by a believing family. I know a young man right now surrounded by a believing family, reared in the church, reared for God. He heard the blessing said at the table at every meal. And today he's way out in left field on drugs, sex, all the rest of it. Blinded by the God of this world. They're led captive to the will of Satan. And many people tell me, I don't understand. I've heard this all my life. I've tried to believe, but I cannot. They're blinded. And the only person that can open your eyes to the truth is the Holy Spirit. And you must ask him to come and open your eyes supernaturally which he will do tonight before you leave here, if you will allow him. Yes, your mind is at enmity with God. Your mind is blinded. But then there's the doubtful mind the Bible talks about. In Luke 12, Jesus said, Neither be ye of doubtful mind. The Bible warns against the double-minded person. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And this carries with it the idea of a person who wishes to secure both worlds. You want one foot in heaven and one foot in the pleasures of this life. And you cannot. You've got to go one way or the other. So there are many of you that are torn between your sinful pleasures and appetites and your desire for heaven. And you know that you can't have both. And you've got to make a choice. Jesus said there are two roads in life. There's the broad road that leads to destruction. There's the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And there's a narrow gate, and that gate is the cross. Yes, we have minds that are at enmity against God. We have minds that are blinded by the devil. We have doubtful minds, and then there's the defiled mind. Paul wrote to Titus of a certain people who are always liars, whose minds are defiled and unbelieving. We have mind-altering drugs today, and medicines and alcohol and all sorts of things that change our minds. Our minds become defiled. We can live so long with our imaginations and our fantasies that are wrong and against the teachings of Scripture that our minds become defiled. And evil thoughts are the suicide of the soul. Now you cannot help bad thoughts coming from your mind. I, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. You cannot help bad thoughts coming from your, going into your mind. It's like birds. You can't keep them from flying over, but you don't have to let them nest in your hair. And some of us let evil thoughts nest in our minds. Thoughts of jealousy, 
thoughts that lead to anger, thoughts that lead to the wrong kind of passions. When Jesus cast the demons out, this man was in his right mind. So we have minds in the Bible that are at enmity with God. They're blinded by the devil. They're doubtful minds and they're defiled minds. But you can also have a renewed mind. The Bible says in Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can be transformed tonight. You can be changed tonight. You can have all of your sins forgiven tonight because Christ died on the cross and shed his blood for you. And it's wonderful to go home tonight and know that every sin is forgiven. Not only forgiven, but you're justified just as though you'd never sinned. And God raised him from the dead and he's alive, ready to transform your mind tonight and transform your body and transform everything about you. Your whole lifestyle will have to change, but the Holy Spirit will be there to help you change it. It doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. It means that if you do sin, you'll immediately be convicted by the Holy Spirit and you'll confess your sin and ask God to forgive you and he will forgive you. Yes, there's the renewed mind. Ephesians 4.23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Have you had your mind renewed and transformed by repenting and receiving Christ? Well, you'll say, well, Billy, you know, I, I've been baptized. I've been confirmed. I belong to the church. That's wonderful. I'm asking you tonight to reconfirm your confirmation vows. I'm asking you to reconfirm those that baptized you in the words that were said when you were baptized and say, oh God, I want to follow you the way it was promised that I would follow you. In Philippians 2, 5, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We are to have the mind of Christ by the transforming and renewing of your mind. You can change your mind and Christ will transform it. That's what repentance really means. The word repentance means change of mind. It means that you're going to change lifestyle, change the direction that you're going. You're going to say to God, I'm sorry I've sinned. I want to be made a new person. Paul asked the Corinthians, who hath known the mind of the Lord? And he answered it himself. He said, we have the mind of Christ. When you have the mind of Christ, you have the mind of the Lord. We who know Christ have the mind of Christ. We who have been saved by his grace have the mind of Christ. All of you that have said yes to his call have the mind of Christ. Not a perfect mind but a mind that's now controlled by Christ rather than by Satan and your own sinful nature. Then the Bible talks about the spiritually minded people in Romans 8, 6. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And 2 Peter 3, 1 says, he will stir up your pure mind. Wouldn't you like to have a pure mind? A, spiritually, a spiritual mind, a transformed mind? 
Now, when I say mind, that means your whole life because your mind, in a sense, controls your life along with your heart. You have a body living inside your body is your spirit, your soul. That's the part of you that will live forever. Your body will go to the grave. But you, the real you, is going to live forever. And it's all going to be decided on what you do about Christ. Have you repented of your sins? Are you sure of it? You can do it tonight. By simply saying, Lord, I've sinned and I'm sorry and I'm willing to change my way of living. I want you to transform my mind. I want you to renew my mind and my whole life. I want to be spiritually minded. I want you to stir up some purity in my mind. I'm going to ask you to do that tonight. We've seen hundreds and even thousands of people this week do something I'm going to ask you to do. I think last night there was something like 1,300 and the night before it was 1,400 and that's the way it's been night after night. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come and stand in front of the platform and say, by coming, I open my heart to Christ, I open my mind to Christ, I want him to have me. I'm willing to change my lifestyle. Whatever it costs, I'm willing to pay it in order to know that I belong to Christ. How to fight the spiritual battle. Many of us are familiar with Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 10, where he stated that, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But are we also familiar with what Paul wrote next? Do we know what kind of strongholds we pulled down through these mighty spiritual weapons? Paul continued, Casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 5-6 This is the spirit of progressive Christianity, the mindset that we know better than God, that the plain sense of the words of the Bible cannot be trusted. As paraphrased in the message, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. This is not just a matter of driving demons from people bound and possessed, although that can be part of our spiritual warfare too. It is a matter of driving out demonic mindsets and false assumptions, of expelling darkness with light and deception with truth. Our battle is both spiritual and intellectual as we engage in spiritual warfare with demons and their ideologies. That's why Paul wrote, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It is not only the temptation of sin that pulls people away from God, it is also the deception of error. That's why Paul warned the Corinthians, saying, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. His greatest concern, then, 
was not that they would completely deny Jesus but that they would believe in a different Jesus. He was not only concerned with their moral integrity, he was also concerned with their doctrinal purity. Paul understood that Satan himself was involved directly in the manufacture and propagation of false doctrines. The ancient serpent deceived Eve by planting a question in her mind about the words of God, and he uses the same tactic again and again. There really is nothing new under the sun. What, exactly, was the nature of Satan's lie to Eve? His opening words said it all. Has God really said? To paraphrase, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, either shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. This is the spirit of progressive Christianity, the mindset that we know better than God, that the plain sense of the words of the Bible cannot be trusted, that the old, proven paths are not proven at all, that the very God of the Bible must be recreated if he is to live up to our enlightened standards. What we are left with is simply our religion, a faith and a Bible and a God that we have created in our image, based on our values. Augustine summed it up nicely. If you believe what you like in the gospel, and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. But again, this is not merely an intellectual battle. At root, this is a spiritual battle, one that can only be won through prayer and fasting, through clear gospel proclamation, through resisting the enemy, refusing to compromise and walking in genuine, heartfelt love. The spirit of the age will be against us. You are so old-fashioned and outdated. The spirit of the flesh will be against us. You are such boring legalists. The spirit of that ancient serpent will be against us. If you want to be on the right side of history, you need to abandon your inflexible, fundamentalist mindset. But the Holy Spirit is with us, and by his power we pull down these deceptive strongholds and demolish these destructive ideologies. We do it by wrestling in prayer in the secret place before we raise our voices in the public square. We do it by pointing to the inevitable trajectory of progressive beliefs, as little by little, they depart further and further from the faith until even the most fundamental doctrines are denied. We do it by exposing the moral bankruptcy of a faith that questions God's integrity and His word, producing bondage rather than freedom. And we do it by setting the captives free, offering them radically new life through the gospel and a true encounter with the living God through His Son, Jesus. In the days ahead, this battle will intensify. The foundations of our faith will be questioned as never before, and the old ways will be rapidly abandoned. But be encouraged, progressive religion is no better than a beautiful sandcastle, soon to be washed out when the tide comes in. It is that holy tide, in the life and power of the Spirit, grounded in the word of truth, that will carry us to victory and deliver many from deception and lies.